Can't believe we're already on episode four of How I Built Local. It's truly been amazing getting a chance to hear the stories of entrepreneurs risking it all to find success. If you want to make sure we can continue delivering these stories, subscribe today on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Thanks for all the support and let's dive into episode four. After our opening night, there were reviews online about how the owners didn't look happy unless they were talking to somebody they knew. And it's not that we weren't happy. We were just (laughs) shocked at how busy we were. Welcome to How I Built Local, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of successful small businesses. Join us as we explore the journeys, challenges, and triumphs of local entrepreneurs who turn their dreams into reality. On the show today, Nathan and Audrey Simons take us behind the scenes of starting their ice cream business, Simon Says Dip This. Their concept is unique, a dessert shop where you can choose from many different options on how you'd like your ice cream dipped. And like their business, their story is unique. Nathan and Audrey met in 2006 at church, and just eight days later, they were engaged. Three months after that, they were married. Nathan had hopes of going into dentistry, but was encouraged to pursue his passion of cooking and ended up applying to the Culinary Institute of America one of the top culinary schools in the country. He went on to work at some of the top fine dining establishments in North Carolina and New York, including Union Square Cafe, the Farrington House, and M Sushi. Meanwhile, Audrey majored in English literature and German at UNC Chapel Hill. She spent time as a financial advisor and eventually moved into guest services. On a late night drive to Atlanta, Nathan and Audrey stopped by a Dairy Queen and remembered how much they loved dipped ice cream cones. The rest of the car ride, they brainstormed different ice cream dippings and didn't think too much of the concept. Almost a decade later, Nathan was starting to feel a little burnt out from fine dining and together with Audrey launched Simon Says Dip This in 2020. Three years later, their business is running very successfully and they're in the process of opening a second location. But all this started with a fortunate meeting at church and a book that Nathan was reading. So we actually met at church. I was reading a book, pretty interesting, about someone in Germany. I knew that Audrey had spent time in Germany, so I went and talked to her a little bit. And she, like Audrey, I I tend to ramble sometimes. And so I just kept asking questions. I think she was thinking, okay, is this guy going to ask me out or what? (laughs) But I I was just, you know, genuinely interested in talking to her, which was a good sign. And then... I think we sit around talking for a couple hours and then I realized, oh, I should ask her out on the date. <laughs> so I was very specific. I said, would you like to go out on a date with me to dinner with me on Friday? Which is good because I've always had a rule that he didn't know about at the time. That if a guy says you want to do something sometime, no, that doesn't sound interesting to me. But if you have a plan, then I'm interested. I was very specific, you know, dinner and a date or like a like Friday. And she said, sure, why not? So it just so happened that I was supposed to be taking a class. So I wasn't actually, I wasn't physically going to work that week. So I could go to this off, off campus site, sign in, stay there for like an hour and then zoom off. And <laughs> we'd go on a, a second date, like the very next day. And then a third date the day after that. <laughs> yes, we run up almost every day that week. Yeah, and then so we got engaged eight days after 
our first date and then married three months after that. <laughs> and when, when you guys were going through that process, when did you know for each of you when it was the right person for you? I mean, some people <laughs> it takes a, a, a bit longer than that. Some people it doesn't, I guess. Well, I think he said he went home and told his dad he'd met the one. Yep. I, I knew date. after the first date because she said, I love rock and roll and I hate chick flicks. <laughs> and it took me until so we went out Friday so it took me till Thursday and I was telling my mom about him not think because he's six years younger than me so I wasn't thinking anything of it just you know having some fun and my mom had to tell me that it sounded like I was in love and then I realized oh she's right <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point in your life where were you each at at that point in your life in your career what were you thinking about at that time you know outside of marriage but in you know in your life, what were your goals at that point? Well, I never wanted to get married. That wasn't my plan. I was working for a chiropractor at the time, kind of just a job until I could find something that I wanted to do. Yeah, I told Audrey I wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I was going to marry a doctor. <laughs> and then after less than a year into marriage, I was like, you know what? I think I want to cook professionally. And so this was 2006 when you guys first met. How how old were you guys at the time? I was 21. 27. Okay. And so, uh, Nathan, were you in school then at that moment? So like I you said, was. you wanted to be a dentist. Right. And and so you were exploring like bio or something along those lines to like yeah. go down the dentistry path? Yeah, just I was, you know, taking a general ed and, and ready to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And, uh, and so- were either of you at that point thinking at all about a restaurant, about anything oh. sort of like? I'd never envisioned myself <laughs> in the restaurant industry at that point. Yeah. And so, Nathan, you said about a year after you transitioned and, and went into culinary school, what was the motivation behind that? It's a pretty big shift to go from dentistry to, to culinary school. Yeah. Well, I was I was working in at a, on a military base while I was going to school. And, you know, I kept telling my, my colleagues, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I want to be a dentist. This is what I want to do. And, you know, we'd, we'd go on trips, whether it was to San Francisco or we went on our honeymoon to, to Hawaii and come back and tell them like in detail, all of these dishes that we made and, or, or that we, that we ate. And I was going to come back and try to recreate some of them. And one of the, the guys that I worked with, he used to be a line cook. And he's like, you know, sounds sounds like you want to be a chef more than you want to be a dentist. <laughs> it's like, oh no, 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 it's just a hobby. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sure enough, it was that's where my heart really was. How is how is it making that decision? That's a pretty big career shift. When did you know? I guess you know that put a bug in in your ear, like maybe this is something that I could pursue. But then when did you actually go down that path? It was while we were there. There was a, once he decided that's what he wanted to do, we were in Monterey and there was a Monterey, is it culinary school or? Uh, there's a, a community college that had a culinary program and I had taken some classes just for fun. And the chef there was actually very talented and, you know, he really enjoyed having me in his class. And so I went to him, talked to him about some advice. I also talked to, Someone that I'd met that that did like the food safety program for the the culinary school there in Monterey, and he used to teach at the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, which is considered like the like the Harvard of culinary schools. It's 
it's it's well known even outside of the United States as as being one of the you know premier culinary schools. And he's like, you know, they, it's really good program there in in New York. And I told myself I've, if this is the career path I was going to choose, I was going to try to get into the best possible culinary school. And they had a few requirements. One of them is six months of experience in a professional kitchen before you commit to their culinary program. It usually weeds out a lot of people that are maybe interested, but don't understand the the physical labor, the the mental toll, some of the j- just the overall like the the totality of how how difficult it is to be a chef in today's kitchens. And luckily, Audrey's uncle is the executive chef at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. So as soon as I figured out this is the place I want to go, this is the requirement, we packed up and moved from California to Tennessee. He is Andreas Kissler is his name. Very talented chef, really kind of threw me to the wolves, <laughs> so to say. And, you know, the like the 80, 90 hours a week, just learn everything as quickly as you can. And as soon as I got to culinary school, I felt like I was already ahead of, of most of the students because of the I, I had like six months of a rigorous training as opposed to just kind of like come in and do some prep work. And yeah. And, and Audrey, like this is, you guys are moving from California to Memphis to potentially New York six months later. Yeah. Well, how was that for you? Were you fully in or, or was it a hard transition at first? No, no, at all. I, I really wasn't finding any kind of satisfying work in California, even though I love living in California, but it just felt like, yeah, this is the right move for us. And obviously we're moving to Memphis where I had family. So it wasn't a difficult transition for me. And I'm always up for traveling and for an adventure. So yeah, it was easy. And so it was just six months in Memphis that you spent or did you spend more time? Like it was about eight months. When did you hear that you got in? Like what year was that? 2008. 2008. Okay. So you are about to start culinary school. And in your mind, was there a specific path you wanted to go down? You wanted to be an elite chef, like top restaurants? I definitely wanted to be in fine dining. And there seemed to be like the most finesse required. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to learn everything where in in fine dining, you kind of have to be well-versed in, in all skills. Yeah, it was. And, and plus that my, Audrey's uncle, my mentor, he 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 did everything very well, but I think his specialty was definitely fine dining. Gotcha. And and how long is that culinary school program? Is it about two years? It's about two years. Yeah. And so you know, while you're doing this, I'm assuming you fell in love with it because you know you sent you down that path <laughs> right out of culinary school. Like, what was what what steps did you take? Right after culinary school, well, New York, kind of. Took all the money out of our bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Though the initial plan was to move back, move here to North Carolina, live with Audrey's parents, build up our our bank account and figure out exactly whether we wanted to move back to California or back to New York. And I could work in New York City. And my uncle was at that time planning on opening his own restaurant and thinking about doing it in Raleigh. And the timing kind of worked out where we would both be in the triangle about the same time, but the restaurant never came to fruition. He's still in Memphis. And so Nathan started working at the Farrington house. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, started working at the Farrington house. 
initially I thought this is just going to be kind of, you know, temporary. I'll work here six months a year, uh, get some good experience and then move on to whatever we feel is most appropriate. At the time, they were starting to make some big changes there at the Farrington House. They were changing like the decor in the dining room. They really wanted to focus more on on fine dining. They increased the, the the course numbers. They started doing multiple canopies as opposed to just like a an amuse bouche in the, in the beginning. Uh, then we kind of spread out the canopies throughout the meal. Like it, it turned more into fine dining that you would that you would get in in larger cities like like New York and San Francisco. So I I really enjoyed kind of growing with with everyone there. We had a we had a really tight knit team. Like everyone got along really well. Kind of pushed each other to get better. And the sommelier Max Cast he pulled me aside and said, you know, you you've got like actually have a head on your shoulders. What are you what are you planning? Like oh, I'm thinking about you know moving to back to either New York City or San Francisco and, and working in, you know, two or three Michelin starred restaurants there. He's like, you know, I've I've worked in some really nice places that were already established, but the, it's most satisfying to to work in a place and help build. And that I kind of stuck with me. And after, after that, I decided, okay, we're going to we're going to stay in North Carolina. Yeah. And, and for those who don't know, the Farrington House is a top buying and dining restaurant in Chapel yeah. Hill as well as a hotel. And so, and so Audrey, what were you doing at that point? You're moving all around. Well, so I was doing financial planning and didn't love it. And I, my schedule was nine to five and his was noon to midnight. And so I realized if we're ever going to see each other, something has to change. Since I wasn't happy with um, the financial planning so much, I was happy to switch over to restaurant and hospitality industry. So I started working at the hotel at Farrington. Okay. And, and Nathan, like, not, I don't have a ton of restaurant experience, but from the beef, I understand that uh, fine dining is like super, super competitive. And actually the the shifts, the regimes are very strict, regulated and, and tough environment. Did you find that to be the case or, or was that something that like, you know, you, you got into it when you first started working and you're like, this is living up to my dreams from culinary school. Yeah, it, it's definitely what I, I, I think starting in, in Memphis with Audrey's uncle, him just kind of like he he knew exactly what I was in for, and so I mean he he threw me right in like threw me in the deep end said swim, and you know the first couple of months working in Memphis were were really tough, but then everything after that seemed to be either familiar or or easier. So yeah, getting into fine dining outside of culinary school, I I, I felt like I was I was really prepared, and and yeah it's. <laughs> is no joke like your your feet start hurting after eight hours and then you've got like five or six more hours to go in the day <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's also yeah mentally exhausting you know that i i think the most tired you ever get is is when you're say you're making calls for the pass so you're like calling every ticket and also plating all the food and like the mental exhaustion is it it's really really daunting it like if you're if you're not pre- prepared for it mentally uh, you can make like one or two simple mistakes and they seem simple 
but it throws everything off. So you've got to be on top of everything. So it, a lot of times I think chefs get a bad rap that they're angry. It's not that they're not that they're angry chefs. It's that they understand like any, any small detail that gets missed or, or what's the right way to say it? Any detail that gets overlooked can send the entire kitchen like in a tailspin. And then before you know it, you, you're bu- like sending out dishes that should have gone out 30, 40 minutes ago. So it's a- gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And and this is, I'm assuming around like 2011 then by that point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so in, in 2011, then and someone tells you, you know, it's like you, you appreciate it more when you build something up. So at that point, are you thinking of, Hey, one day I want to start my own restaurant or I want to get together with a group and, and start my own concept coming from that high end dining. I'm assuming you're not thinking of an ice cream store, which you end up opening <laughs> coming from that culinary and high-end background, what was your thought process in 2011? Was it more just get experience or, or did you have something in the back of your mind that one day I want to go and, and start something of my own? Well, actually around that time, so 2012, I had moved on to uh, a restaurant called One in Chapel Hill and the chefs wanted to do exactly you know, what I wanted to do. They wanted to build something amazing in North Carolina. They moved from the Napa Valley, Meadowood specifically, at the it's tragically burned down. But at the time they were a three Michelin star restaurant. They moved to North Carolina to just make an amazing fine dining restaurant. <laughs> and I was at the right place at the right time. I did what's called a stage. So it's where you go and you work for free for can be as little as, as one shift to several months, depending on like some people say, for instance, we'll travel to Noma, one of the world's best restaurants, and they'll essentially live there and work for free for like up to three months. But, you know, they, they come away with all the experience that they had. Anyway, so I was I was staging at at one because I was looking for something different. And one of the chefs was also doing the exact same thing. He was also staging and he told me what the what the plan was and I got really excited and they ended up hiring me to be their sous chef even though I didn't have any management experience in the kitchen but you know they they thought they could really kind of help mold me into what they needed what they were looking for and yes yeah, so we were, were working there and interestingly the next summer, we would always close one week in July for renovations. So I guess this was 2012. Audrey and I took a trip to Atlanta. We're, we're driving, just wanted like a, it was late at night, just wanted a soda to kind of stay awake while we're driving. Stopped at a Dairy Queen and like, oh, look, they've got chocolate butterscotch and cherry dipped cones like my favorite was always cherry audrey's favorite was always butterscotch so we got more than just the soda we each got our favorite ice cream as well and then we still had several hours to go to drive home and we just started talking wouldn't it be awesome if you know there was like a pistachio dip or like a tiramisu dip 
or, or we just started name like we, we almost it almost became a game like we were trying to come up with as many dips as we possibly could and that's how the idea for our ice cream shop came about and so and that's that's in 2012 so about 2012. Right? and so this the shop actually opens years later so <laughs> i'm assuming it's just like something on the back of your mind and you didn't take it too seriously when when did you start to take that more seriously like hey this is something that we could do well in 2017 we so nathan's the kind of chef that whenever i go oh check that out that looks really good he goes yeah i can make <laughs> and when I lived in Germany, they have uh, nut butters for every nut you can think of. It's not just, you know, peanut butter like it is here. And I was telling him about that. And we actually took him to Germany in 2015 so he could see it and test it out. And a couple of years later, I was like, you know, do you think we could make that? That's, I mean, like a Nutella, but without the chocolate, like just a nut butter, like a hazelnut butter. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. And so he, for Christmas, got the equipment that he needed. And we started experimenting with recipes and then we would give it to friends and family to try. And my dad likes to take things, he works at the hospital, he likes to take some things to the hospital for his friends to taste. And so and they really liked it. And he said, they want to buy it. Can you make it? So then I had to do research on jars and everything. And they started buying it from us. And we thought, maybe we've got something here. Maybe we should look into turning this into a business. And so July 2017, we created Simon Says Spread This. And we have five different flavors of nut butters. Um, yeah, like the cinnamon pecan butter is the most popular. I'm from Savannah originally, and candy pecans are the thing there. So I think I want a nut butter that tastes like candy pecan. So that's our most popular one. <clears throat> and when I was shooting the photography for the website, we melted it and poured it on ice cream, and it set. And I was like, I remember that ice cream idea we had that was, you know, just a silly idea. Maybe we've got something here. And still at that point, we didn't really take it seriously. It was just like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? And we started selling our nut butters in uh, different markets around the Triangle. And then different uh, stores started carrying them. Like Southern Season, that was at University Mall in Chapel Hill. When it was there, they carried it. Bodega still carries it. Sweet Tea and Cornbread at Crabtree Mall still carries it. And in 2018, 2019, he started going, okay, I think I'm tired of the fine dining scene. <laughs> And I said, well, I mean, let's do the ice cream thing. And so a, a friend of mine is a contract lawyer. So I sat down with her and worked on the business plan. So that took a couple months and started shopping it around to different lenders. And everybody loved it. And like, it's a great concept, but we don't do startups. <laughs> so it took a lot of work. And we met with commercial real estate brokers to kind of see, because we weren't sure where we would want to be in the triangle. So we looked for about a year to figure out where we wanted to be. We love the food scene in Durham, so it was kind of a, a natural step to be in Durham. Yeah, and and before previously, like the whole idea was that you'd either move back to New York or California. Yeah. Like you just stayed in the triangle for a bit and, and just like loved the area or what happened? Well, my family actually lives in Pinehurst. Uh, we moved here from Savannah when I was in, I think eighth grade. And so I went to high school and went to Carolina and after that is when, well, in between sophomore year and junior year, that's when I moved to Germany for a couple of years, came back, finished college, moved to California. That's where we met. So it's kind of come full circle, I guess. But yeah, we just, we've got family here. My family's here. So yeah. 
And and the, obviously the last name is Simons. Was that something your whole life people were saying Simon says? Is that how the, the name came about or was that something more creatively like to just, you know, hit you one day? No, unfortunately, everyone pronounces it wrong. They, they say Simmons. Okay. But there's only one M. <laughs> that is Simons. But uh, yeah, I, I've, I'd heard like Simon says quite a bit, but it was actually Audrey that, that came up with the name. Sure, you got to work with what you got, right? Yeah. And so you were saying in 2019, you know, you're, you're shopping this idea around and ultimately decide on Durham, which is probably the most up and coming area of, of the triangle. Right. Um, and so like you said, it's super hard to find somebody to fund you. Was that the only thing holding you back at that point? Like you had the whole business plan laid out. You had an idea of where the location was. It was really like you just need to secure the funding. The funding was probably the biggest hurdle. I mean, there were lots of speed bumps along the way, but I would say funding was the biggest hurdle because we were a startup. Now, we did have a couple of years of the nut butter sales under our belts. So they knew that we could run a business, but because this concept was going to be brick and mortar, it's more of a risk for the bank. And so uh, it took a while, but we finally found a bank in Raleigh that would accept us and would work with us. And we gave them a ballpark figure. We're like, we don't know how much this is going to cost. If we need to increase it, can we do that later on? And they said, yeah, that's not a problem. We can increase it. No big deal. And then in 2020, we were ready to go. But 2020 <laughs> happened. And right when we had permits and everything ready to go, ready to start building, and we needed to increase the the amount a bit, the bank said, well, you're going to have to give us a 50% down payment if you want to increase the fan. I mean, it was only required a 10% down payment, and we were going to give them 20, but now they want a 50, and that was just where are we going to get, you know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars right now? It's just, it's impossible. Yeah. So we dropped them and then I had to go find another one. Fortunately, the broker for the built for one city center that we went into that we're in now, her husband works for a bank doing business loans here in, in Raleigh. And so he was like, Yeah, we love the concept, we'll work with you. And so they they saved us at the last minute and then we were able to start construction end of January twenty twenty one. Awesome. And and so in this process, are you trying ice cream at home and just dipping it in different things? <laughs> well, I guess, so even though lockdown was frustrating, it was kind of a good opportunity for us to do a lot of recipe testing and, and sorting everything out, like how everything was going to run, like the way we have it set up as an assembly line. So it's easy for us and our employees to create the ice creams. It's fun for the people to watch their ice creams being dipped and topped and everything. So we got to plan everything out in minute detail and made a lot of stuffed cookies, a lot of chocolates. Yeah, we did a lot of fun stuff. And and so it seems like your plans keep on getting pushed a little bit. Was that not business enough to support you or, or were you also still working? We were both working. Yeah, they were both working. Working still. in restaurants at the time and up until I would say about three weeks before we opened our shop. Got it. And and so I don't think I've seen this concept before. I mean, outside of Dairy Queen, obviously. Was there anywhere else that you had seen this concept worked or tried or was it just, we think this can work? Well, it was just kind of like based on a childhood favorite. And we know we like it. And obviously there are Dairy Queens all over the country and they do dipped cones. So we knew it was a a well-accepted and embraced idea. And who, I mean, ice cream is the only dessert in the grocery store that has its own aisle besides cookies, maybe. So we figure, and the ice, frozen desserts have so many incarnations. There's just an endless number of things that you can do with them. 
And, uh, you know, we just figured you can't go wrong with ice cream. And, with- and so and when when that lender pulls out, you guys are pretty close to being able to start your dream. Was that kind of a crushing moment where you have to reevaluate? Is this something that, that we're going to work out? Or was it because you were able to find a second lender relatively quickly after that, that it rebuilt that confidence that this is something that you can pull off? Well, we were actually quite split on that. Audrey was was devastated. Like it it really crushed her. And like, I was like, we'll find somebody else. When we come back in just a second, how Nathan and Audrey built out their store design, we're shocked by how busy it was on day one and their future plans with Simon Says, Dip This. We are actively looking for new stories and perspectives to bring on the show. If you have a great suggestion, send us a DM on Instagram at howibuiltlocal. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on our socials to stay up to date with the latest content. Now, let's get you back to the show. Was there a vision in mind, like what you wanted out of the restaurant, like the, the, the appeal of the restaurant? What was the actual store design thought process there? We kind of had it because it, it was going to be an assembly line. We kind of had an idea of the way things were going to be behind the bar. When we started you know, getting together with the architect. Then, of course, the ideas expand and we build on ideas. And that's how it kind of developed into what it is now. And then once we kind of, we got to decor, we were like, oh, we should think about this part. <laughs> you know, it's just ice cream shop. It's just, you know. So Nathan said, why don't we just take posters of fun things from our childhood and put, you know, incorporate ice, ice cream into it somehow. And so like, oh, that, that could work at least temporarily. And so that I spent several months ordering posters and things and, and putting ice cream, incorporating ice cream onto them. So I have like Freddie Mercury in his iconic yellow jacket singing. And, and instead of holding a microphone, he's holding an ice cream, you know, you know, just silly fun things like that, that we get a kick out of or cheeky humor. And, and so something entrepreneurs have said in the past is that up until that moment where they actually open and things start to go well, they're like super nervous. Was that something you guys experienced? Nathan is probably the one who didn't worry about it oh well because i was too busy yeah <laughs> and i but i worried about it because like we put everything into this if this doesn't work what what are we going to do and especially we after our opening night there were reviews online about how the owners didn't look happy unless they were talking to somebody they knew and it's not that we weren't happy we were just <laughs> shocked at how busy we were <laughs> we were so but there was a line down the block we were watching to make sure, you know, we we had spent a couple of weeks training our employees. We're watching to make sure everything's going smoothly, and you know, just kind of nerve wracked. So, but yeah. And and so talking about your opening, I believe you guys did a soft opening first, and then your official opening. Was the soft opening just the friends and family to test out how everything went? We did two. The first one was friends and family, and then the second one was with offline Raleigh Durham. It's a great company if you haven't heard of them where it's like a, a subscription service where they introduce people in the area to restaurants and entertainment and bars and everything. So it's a great company to work with. And we did one specifically for them on our second night. And they said, initially, I think they offered 140 tickets to their subscribers and they had so many requests, they increased it to like 240 or something. So we were very busy that second night too. And and was there a learning experience from the first two nights, like the, the soft um, openings? Was there something that you changed that you like? Did I imagine until you actually did it? I think the first two years have been a learning experience. <laughs> Fortunately, we 
considered it in so much detail that the things that we noticed weren't working were minor things and they were easy to kind of course correct and yeah, keep going. And so eventually, you know, after the two soft openings, you do have your official opening. You, you said it was a, a packed pack day. Were you expecting that? Was there an idea, hey, this is probably going to be packed or it just it just happened? We had no idea. So the, the first shipment of ice cream that we got in, it was 60 cases. So 60 five-gallon cases of ice cream base. And I thought, oh man, this is going to last us three months. This is going to... It's going to be, we're putting it in the freezer, putting it, putting it away. And I think it lasted us two weeks. Wow. <laughs> like it, 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 it completely blew our minds that, that we were that busy. And, and was that at first, you know, obviously it's great that you're busy, but did you know then that it would be a successful concept or was, was there that in the back of the mind, Hey, this could just be a brand opening. People like to try new things. And then, you know, the hype will, will die down or were you pretty confident that, like, like this is going to be something that's going to work long term? I think we were confident that it would work, but at the same time, we were quite realistic that this is, we, we wanted to take note that this is probably a lot of it has to do with us being the new kids on the block. It's a, an interesting concept of something that a lot of people haven't heard or seen. So, you know, we definitely took note of how busy we were and then compared it to the year before and then tried to find like an average to figure out exactly, you know, how we, we staff the ice cream shop during this time of the year. And yeah, it's all been a really big learning curve. And, and was it, is it something that entrepreneurship journey that you have like compared to, you know, in fine dining and then Audrey, the cruise that you work, did you immediately fall in love with it or was some of it like, this sucks. We have to work a lot. How is that? It's a, a completely new world when you own your own business. Yeah. When I worked in restaurants before, it, it sucked and I wanted to quit every day. But now that it's our own concept, it's our baby. No, I enjoy being there. Now, after all this, we're getting close to three years. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> we get tired, but it's still, it's our passion. You know, it's a fun food. People are happy to get it. We're happy to make it. You know, we're, it's, it's an exciting concept to be a part of. No, that, that's awesome. And so, you know, after three years, like you mentioned, pretty successful so far, is that it? A successful concept? You can, you know, like you said, you're tired. You can kind of like bring things in, bring some employees on and, you know, take it easy for a while. Or are you thinking about expanding and continuing to grow? No, we're not going to be taking it easy. We're opening, we're planning to open a second location in downtown Raleigh, probably by the spring, which we're working on right now. I guess the plan in total would be eventually to have maybe five or 10 locations that we own and operate and then possibly franchising the business. We'll have to do more research about that, but that's the, the kind of vague idea of uh, the plan so far. Yeah. And, and, what was the, kind of the motivation behind that? Was like, we figured it out the first time and so we can do this again? It's easily replicable, I will say, because it's an assembly line. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we're the ones making everything. You know, Nathan's in the kitchen making everything. I'm running the front of the shop, doing PR, admin, sous chef, all that stuff. <laughs> They're grocery shopping, all that stuff. 
So, I mean, I think eventually we'll have to have a management company to kind of help us run it the more locations we have. But right now it's it's doable with just the two of us. Also, when, when we first got started, we knew that this is something that's scalable because it's it's so different, say, for instance, a traditional ice cream shop, say you increase your, you have to increase your, your output of, from that same ice cream machine by 100% if you open a second location. Whereas for, for what we do, we're essentially making it what they say in the restaurant industry a la minute. So we're, we're pulling, we're creating the ice cream right there. It doesn't require as much prep work ahead of time. So I can, it requires the same amount of time to double or triple a recipe for the chocolate tips as opposed to doing production for a traditional ice cream shop where you have to, you know, your ice cream machine can only hold so much ice cream base and then you have to, you know, fold in your your different variegates and and toppings or, or fillings. Uh, and then you have to have the space, whereas with doubling or tripling the, the recipe for the, the dips, it doesn't require any more time. It just requires a, a larger bowl. <laughs> yeah, I, I think something that people overlook or don't think about when they when they go into small business is just the amount of work that it took to get that open and, right. and to, to keep it running. How how many hours were you working like on average when you were getting ready to open it up and and then now how how many hours are you working a week? <laughs> we before we opened in our regular jobs we were probably working 40, 40 to sixty somewhere in there. Now we're probably working eighty to ninety. And, and that's been consistent for the the last few years. Oh, there have been many times. So we're open from 12 to 10, 12 to 11 on the weekends. There have been many times where I've stood behind that bar making ice cream for 11 hours straight. No break. No food. Just making ice cream. And so and so with that, what's what's the thing that you love the most out of it? And then what's the most challenging aspect that you've seen in the uh, so far? What I love the most is people enjoying what we make. I mean, when I, in the middle of the day, I, I go home to take care of the dogs and come back in the evening and to walk around that block and seeing people eating our ice cream and enjoying what we do is really incredibly gratifying because we know it's good and we know, I mean, we like it, but to know that what we're making other people enjoy is, is really fantastic. Most challenging, probably staffing, yeah. staffing and training because it's, you know, obviously we don't keep skilled labor. It's mostly teenagers and some college age students and stuff. So. Gotcha. And Nathan, same for you or anything different? Yeah, no, I, you know, sometimes, especially during the summertime, I'll be just in the kitchen nonstop. And during some of the slower months, when a lot of our staff goes off to college or, or, or just, you know, we were a summer job for them. So they, they leave. So around this time of year, we're in September, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in, in September, We've slowed down enough to where I sometimes need to to step out there and, and help serve the customers. And yeah, like seeing people get really excited about our concepts and then like frantic because they they don't know what to choose and then get really excited and tell us how much they loved it. That's definitely the best part. The The part that 
let's say, I, I wish I had more time to experiment. I'm the type of person, like I have an idea that I want to do something. Audrey's the type of person, she'll just like, she has an idea, she throws stuff at the wall, see if it sticks. Whereas I'll like write down five or six different possibilities. All right, I want to try this with this first. And if that doesn't work, I'll try this next. And then I also want to try this. And that, you know, that, and throughout my career, that's been, that's helped me out immensely. I've been able to do multiple experiments at the same time, find all the qualities of each one that I like, put them together and come up with something great. Whereas now, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I barely have enough time to, to do any experimenting. Like I got to try something and, and hope it's the best possible. And so a lot of the times what will happen is we'll try something, say, oh, this is pretty good. And then like, we'll go, I'll go a month and say, you know, I think I can make this better. I'll tweak things here and there. So that was very difficult for me to do at the beginning. Like I, I didn't want to tweak something and have it be worse. So I started, I started figuring out how to tweak things gradually and, and move them closer to, to what I wanted. And so now that you guys have been open three years and, and running a successful business, is there any advice you'd give to someone starting today, like in their retail business? Like what advice would you give them to, to start out and hopefully be successful? Be resourceful. <laughs> Don't give up. It's difficult. There's going to be a lot of rejection. But if you're passionate about it and you know you want to do it, you'll make it happen. Yeah, the like you have to be accepting of rejection and and kind of turn that into a positive. Like, okay, now I know this doesn't work. <laughs> and then figure out how to make it work. And that's a wrap for episode four. You can check out Simon Says Dip This on 117th West Parish Street in Durham and hopefully a second location opening near March 2024 in Raleigh, North Carolina. As a reminder, we have episodes every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe and follow us on our socials. I'm Hamza Bloch, and this is How I Built Local. <laughs>